Welcome back to part two of the Hennessy Files podcast. Never fear, tradies. Next time you are stuck on site and need something from a wholesaler, use Getter instead. Shop online and your supplies will be delivered to you straight away or scheduled to turn up when you need them most. Get on to www.getter.com.au for all your tradie needs. Now, I want to touch on a subject that crushes the hearts of many Manly fans. The Northern Eagles, you're a part of that generation. How was that for you being a Manly junior? Was that a really tough period to go through? Yeah, look, look it, it was, and it's one of those things a bit like Super League. You know, I remember they had a, a, a meeting, or a members meeting, and just said, look, we, we have to do this. We don't... Um, yeah, you know, we have the license because Manly had the license. And they said, we can't, we're not financially viable. We can't survive without merging. This is what we have to do. Otherwise, we potentially could fold. So they all said, yeah, we, we, we voted for it. And um, it was just one of those things that, that you had to do. And then I think you, you fast forward three years. I said, we have to, we have to, we, we have, have to go fold. back to Manly. We need to do this awful fault. Hands up. Everyone <laughs> voted for it. So it's, I don't know the exact way it happened, but it was just one of those, one of those times when we needed to do it and the boys got on really well. Um, there was no. There was no problem with the playing group, was <clears> there? No, no. It, it was it actually was, the administrator. Well, I think they had more arguments than, than the players did. It was, but it's always, it's always going to be tough. They were one of our, you know, arch rivals so to, to say okay you guys are going to merge as a team it, it's tough uh, but you knew all the players and we got on and it was potentially go well let's take the best of both sides because North had a really good side um, and you could potentially form a super side but this, here's the thing that's that differentiates team sport is that it's it's not individual players right you're going to play good as a team and that's you know I think the merely boys last year showed what it was it's not about the name it's not about your numbers not how many games you've played it's about how much you want to do it for the team and your role in the team and we got on really well but we just didn't have the bond and and i the best example i can say is we would yeah we, we'd play at brookvale and say oh, let's go for a couple of beers or let's go to the leagues club let's hang out let's and half the team would go yeah sweet and the other half go well oh, i've got to drive an hour and a half up to gosford i can't hang around so they'd go there and, and i don't say that to them and then we'd play up at up at gosford and they'd say ah oh, let's go hang out let's have a beer and all us manly bikes would go well we got an hour and a half drive but no we're not hanging around and <laughs> we just did, and we just did and we but we just didn't gel we didn't you know on the field you you need something more than than stats and and and, and numbers and i think that's the great sides have that and we just didn't you'll still win games because you've got good players but you won't you won't compete. You won't win comps. You won't win big games because it's not about how fast you are or or, or how you know, how strong you are or how fit you are. That doesn't win grand finals. That doesn't win state of origins. That doesn't win comps. It's about how much you want to, what you're willing to do with your teammates. Okay, during a lot of your career, um, I want to ask you the influence that Bob Fulton had had on you as a as a person and also a coach. Yeah, look, he's. Uh, he, yeah, probably the biggest influence on my career. He was involved a little bit um, when I was a junior. Like I said, he signed me. He <laughs> if he didn't find out, then maybe I would have been a bear. How would that have been? Oh, that would have been stinking. <laughs> but, it, but it's – no, look, I, I suppose as you know, the, the type of player I was and 
um, even in those lower grades and his um, just just his allowance of use your skills, use your talents, let those evolve as in bear wide running second row. There was never importance on, oh, I need you to do 10 head-ups a game and you've got to do 100 metres a half or or this is no good. It was be where, need, where, be where you need to be, do what you need to do. There's no, there's no restrictions. Like he'd say, Spud, you need to do X, Y, Z. These are your guidelines. But yeah. that... But you had a little bit more freedom. <clears throat> well, but because that's the player I was, right? If, yeah. if someone had said, you've got to stay on the right side of the field, I'd only be as half as effective because if I saw something on the left, I was allowed to run off and, and get inside Cliffy or loop on the outside or, or be where I need to. So it really allowed me to um, to evolve as a, to, to become the player that I did. And it's... Um, you know, that's not easy to do as a coach and a, a man manager. You use, um, you've got to have, you've got to treat different personalities different. You've got to, yeah. You know, there's one guy maybe at the front that you've got to rip into and stay on his, or he'll, he'll lose his way or he won't. Yeah. Do, he needs that to be good. Whereas myself or a Cliffy just said, do what you need to do. Yeah, I'll give you tips and hints and this is what you need to, you know, be mindful of. But there was never a hard stat that, that I need to needed to follow and that allowed me to to evolve to become the player that, that I was so you know that type of influence um yeah it was invaluable moving forward to later on towards the back end of your career in the NRL the influence with Dez what was Dez like compared to say Bozo well Dez he's got a, a, a lot of Bozo in him you know as a player you he came um, through under Bozo. Yeah, that's right. So I played with Des. We both played under under Bozo. So he, well, he had him in '87 when they won in. Um, that's right. So it's as a player, you, if you ever think of being a coach, you you have, you know, you coach the way you've been coached, and then you put a bit of your, you know, a, yeah. a little bit of yours in. Um, so Desi has a lot of Bozo type traits. Um, he's very technical. Obviously, the game's moved on a lot. Uh, as in Desi used lots of stats. He's very incremental about yep. winning and losing and what um, what goes into that. But he still has that camaraderie and Desi's great talent um, is bringing a team together, bringing a bunch of guys that you know, you've played eight games, you've played 20, you've played 200. You bring them together for a common goal, a common purpose, believing in what he says and believing in themselves and wanting to do it for each other, that was one of Bozo's great talents, and I think that's I think that's Desi's greatest talent to to bring a team together, to to want to do it for each other. Because like I said, it's not how fast you are, it's not how how strong you are, how fit you are. It's how much you want to do it for your mates. So, and that's one of his great his great skills. On the coach front, who's the most unconventional coach you've had in your career? Unconventional, like you know, different in the way they prepare and. All right, I'll throw well, this to you. What about Tommy? Oh, I think you were hedging to, to Tommy. Oh, yeah. Tommy Radonikas. What kind of coach was Tommy Radonikas? But Tommy, Tommy, I've never been coached week in, week out. Tommy's a passionate man. Tommy's you know, perfect for a state of origin. And it's, we had him for a couple of years in state of origin. He's, um, it's origin, like I said, it's, it's not about. It's a different beast. It's not about, you know, he's not there to show, to teach Joey which, which guy he should be picking out or who he should be stepping back on or how no, – he's not there. He's he's there to bond the boys, 
to get them yeah, a little bit of a game plan, get them direction, but get them doing it for each other about passion. So we had, we had Tommy a couple of times and he, um, uh, we used to train, we, we were at Coogee there up at the, it was the, I think it was the Holiday Inn, we used to stay at the top and we trained down at Coogee Oval, so I was, and he had to walk past the, the Coogee Bay Hotel. So we, we would, we're sweet, we would walk past, Tommy would leave half hour early before training, he would have three schooners and then, <laughs> and then walk out literally as you're walking past. Well, he would go, sweet boys, I'm down, and come down. He'd had three beers. So we'd do the warm-up and he'd say, right, come on, boys, we're doing a kickoff move. And he'd say, okay, you kick it off, then you go the short side, then the open. We kick it off, short side open. He was smoking. So he had a cigarette. Nah, boys. Nah, nah, nah. So we've literally, it's short side open. That's like, it's not that hard, right? Nah, boys. Nah, nah, nah. He's, he's got his ciggy. Nah, nah, come in, come in. Boys, boys, you're doing it wrong. So we all come around. He goes, boys, I, I told you, you go in, you go the open, you go the short side. <laughs> he said the complete opposite of what he told us two minutes ago. <laughs> We're looking around going, is, is this a joke? Is it? <laughs> Maybe he'd had five or six beers that day, but <laughs> no, not true. But he told it was, it, it was funny. The game, the game is based on unique characters, and and, and that and, was the cattle dog. And oh yeah, I'm, that was the next question I was going to ask you. The, the famous cattle dog story. Now, where were you? You were at Lock, weren't you? No, I think I think I was in the, the second back. row. Tommy, yeah, Tommy tells a better story, and uh, he reckons. Well, so the cattle dog was obviously the, the brawl. So when the, yeah. the, it was sort of the rumours were going around and he said, right, when the core cattle dog goes out, the scrum, boom, it's on. The rule was the closest Queenslander, him. you've got to go and just punch him straight away. So if you're looking, cattle dog, that guy's eight metres, he's six metres, punch that guy. So the cattle dog comes out, he reckons, oh, oh no, not the cattle dog. So he tells <laughs> us a bit different. I was going, yeah, how good is this? I'm going to fight someone. Uh, maybe I didn't say that. So the, the cattle dog comes out and I'm just going, oh, shit. All right, here we go, here we go. So the, the, they're about to pack that. Just as I start packing down, Spud just goes, ball, huge uppercut. I can't remember who. I can't think. I can't think. Um, Hearn? I can't think. I can't think. Of just boom. So it's on. So that's, I think that's, um, I think Joey fought. Um, yeah, Goddard. Jamie Goddard. I mean, got, he got absolutely chin, pumped. Yeah. Hopper's over there. Hopper runs straight towards Danny Moore, who was the opposition winger. So we're merely teammates, merely teammates. Boom, lays one straight <laughs> on him. They're on. So try, I think Hopper's fighting Matt Singh and Danny Moore, just these big haymakers. And I'm, I'm not a fighter. So I, I go and just grab a couple of people so they can't punch anyone. I figure if I'm not punching someone, I can stop someone else. Punching one of our teammates, so it's sort of doing the same thing, but it wow. was it was yeah just different times. Like that was that was just wouldn't what it happen was. now, but it would be it'd be good to see it state of origin because there is a lot of passion <coughs> playing for you playing yeah. for your state, and yeah, there is, and I think the part of the the I get the no punching and that's fine, but it increases the niggle. So if I'm a little bloke and I can't fight, or I'm a a big bloke and I can't fight. I can niggle you because I know you're not going to punch me or you get sent off. So I can just keep niggling as long as I want and it doesn't matter. Whereas in the old days, you'd niggle once and the guy says, mate, you do that again. I'm going to punch you in the nose. You do it again, whack. I'm not sure you're going to do it again after that. That was, you know what I mean? There was a bit of, there was a bit of rules in it, but um, I, I do understand you can't. It's not good look. No, it's punching. not good look. Your representative career, you had a... Extensive representative career. You played 20 Origins, 13 Tests. You know, how good was those times and the kind of, you know, the calibre of play you played with? Yeah, 
you're so lucky to, to the teammates that we've already run through mid nineties to the um, to the late you know, mid two thousands. Um, the couple of grand finals we played another a great era of you know, Stevie Maddow, Glenn and Brett Stewart. Um, you know, some amazing players all along. Jamie Lyon, like they're they're everywhere. So very lucky club wise, uh, and then through Origins and Australia, just yeah, look very lucky to. Oh, Did you go on a kangaroo tour? Kangaroo tour in 94. That was the last ever full kangaroo tour. We had 10 weeks. Overseas. How was that? Was that an experience? Ridiculous. Yeah, amazing. So you you get selected and I'm on the plane. You're sitting there next to Ricky Stewart. I think I said hi. <laughs> in what's it? It's a 26-hour flight. I said hi. <laughs> That's but it. you just go, mate, there's Mel Meninga there. There's Ricky Stewart. There's Brad Clyde. Um, Alan, uh, who else? Um, yeah, just some... Intimidating names, you know, that, you, that you'd played against. Glenn Lazarus, uh, Ian Roberts. So it's Paul Siren and it, it, it's some legends of our game. So you're sitting there, yeah, and then a week later you're running and playing against the local club side in England, you know, running off these guys. So it's um, pretty uh, a pretty cool experience. So we had eight weeks in, in England uh, and, then, and then two weeks in France. So it was just, um, you know, great. Good bonding? Uh, yeah, look, it was. It was... Um, yeah, we, it was important to bond, you know, because you hadn't we hadn't played with those players, so it was really important that we had some bonding sessions. Is it a shame that there these days there probably just isn't enough time for a kangaroo tour? Is it a shame that those these this current crop don't get the opportunities? Yeah, look, I think there is, and and we, look, it's a hard one because the season, yeah, you know, is quite long, and we need to, um, yeah, we do some, put some tests on it at the end of the year. But this was a big every four years. It was a big event, you know. Um, there, there was a build-up to, you know, like an like at Olympics. It was, yeah, it doesn't happen every year, so it, it did have another aura. But obviously, Super League over there in England, they used to play in their winter, so we could go over in our off season and play club games and stuff. They play in their summer, so they play the same, same time, time as us now. So you couldn't do it at the end of the year. So it just doesn't really work. But to be a part of that um, was just an amazing experience. First time you ever got to pull on the Aussie jumper. Was that a proud moment for not only you but your family as well? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, we played Cumbria in the '94 Kangaroo Tour. Um, yeah. It was just like a local club game, and like I said, I was out there with Kevin Wallers and Brad Fittler and all these, all these guys that you'd um, you'd looked up to. But to, to represent your country is um, yeah is the highest honour in our game. Let's move forward to the mid 2000s. That side with the likes of the Stewart brothers, Chock Watmo, Stevie Maddai, and the like coming into their own. From being mates with a lot of you guys, I felt like from the outside looking in, there was a real shift and something was building from 2006 into 2007. It was then a couple of key signings came into the fore, into the club. I think the most important one was definitely Jamie Lyon and the other one was Josh Perry. When did you get the feeling that you're on track and you had the arsenal to win another title? You're on track to, to throw your hat in the ring. I think you have a, you know, with teams like that, you need a good mix of, of youth and a good crop coming through, then a bit of experience. And then you need to, to plug a couple, not plug a couple of holes, but bring a few key guys in, like you said, um, like Killer and a few guys like that. So it was probably, you know, you probably think you can, you know, in 06 you probably think you can do all right, but deep down you know that you're probably still a bit short. 07, during the year you think you're a chance and it's probably not until you get to semi-finals, you get to those big games. There's, there's always this disbelief in the in the deep down. If anyone ever asked you, you would never say, no, nah, we can't win it because you're always, you say you can win it, but 
the belief to win it until you've been in a semi semi-finals are a different game to to the normal comp. A normal comp is intense. It's it's harsh. Semi-finals is is a different game. Like it's it's a bigger intensity until you've you've been in that and you've challenged yourself under those conditions to really believe. I think is near impossible. Once you've been involved in that and you know what that's about, and then again the, the grand final is another level. So it, it's probably not until semi-finals of 07, and other people may have different different thoughts. But it's deep down, it's I, I think you need to test yourself to really believe that no, no, no. I, I've I've t- I've been involved in that. I know we can. I know we can do it. Do, it, do we need to win a grand final? You need luck. You need momentum. You need no injuries. You need a bounce of the ball. There's all different things that go into it. You just don't win one. It's so to to get to truly believe. I think probably not until semi-finals over seven, which I'm sure guys play say a lot earlier. But oh, I think it's uh, I think that's when 2007 Snake gets hammered by Crocker pretty early in that game. A little bit tough, but. Uh, 2008, I've had the pleasure of really getting to know the playing group and we had a, a sick little poker crew going. <laughs> and uh, and I got the feeling that it would happen that year. I really felt like there was a certain bond between all you guys uh, because you all hung around each other outside of football and uh, there was a strong you know, connection with everyone in that group. How, how did you feel in 2008? Yeah, definitely. And I think we definitely believe we could do it. And I, and I think looking back, playing the 07 and the whole grand final week, the, the 07 grand final breakfast, and I know it's just one event, but it's just... Kitey brought this up too. Yeah, yeah. so we, we were... You're a bit nervous, what's going on here? So it, it's all... Compare that to the 08 grand final breakfast we were joking we were relaxed we were it was just a, a different feel we'd done this last year you know you, you're still mentally preparing for the game but it's a calmness rather than a nervousness it's just a different completely different feel and you don't you don't realize that in 07 because you've never been there before you know that group of players and although I'd played them I was probably a little bit more calmer because you'd you'd experience the whole week like I said but if you only have one experience that's all you know so until you have another one you go oh wow this feels completely different to last year and you don't mentally I don't think anyone was going oh we feel so much better than last year we're gonna win it's not until you look back after the game in, in time and someone asks you a question and you go oh I can remember that being totally different so so it's that's the gotta lose one to win one type mentality and it's not always the way you can win your first one it's just if you play better you win right but it, it it's it has an edge and it has an effect on you and it you know I think that yeah, you know, would if we it, we still had a great day, so it wouldn't have, it, we maybe wouldn't have won the way we did, but it's. Um, I think the celebrations at Bella Vista would have been a tad different. Yeah, they would have. They would have. It was, <laughs> that um, was that was a sick. But I want to talk about a couple of things during that year, right? Um, one, your captain, uh, one of yep. my favourite people in rugby league. He's just such a good bloke, the great Shetland. Mm, you guys used to rip in. You used to rip into the ox for everyone, but uh, he. He was an intense competitor, wasn't he, Matty Orford? Yeah, he was, and there's all different types. Uh, Anox was a fierce competitor. Um, you know, he was a, he was a tireless, tireless worker. Uh, he, you know, he worked on his kicking and his game, and he was a little grumpy halfback. So he was a thinker too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was, and it's to captain any you know, the two the two premiership winning sides have been both captained by little grumpy halfbacks, Jeff Tuvia and Matty Orford. So it's you need to be a unique character. I was, and it's not just. 
it's not the best player. It's just you need to be to control the the personalities to lead them on the field. To I was I think I was captain for half a season. It was the worst rugby league I have ever played in my life because all I was thinking about was oh what what do I what does the team need to do? How do I? Have? And I forgot about what I needed to do as a player. Just think about me and the rest will follow. But it's it's hard to be a captain. Well, for me, it's hard to be a captain. And be a player as well. I'm much better being a follower. So give me a give me a job. Let me do what I do, and I will make this best for the team. Whereas a captain, it's amazing. I think it's amazing what they do. Okay, the GF 2008. Uh, people go, oh, you know, 40 nil, but it wasn't like that. Like at halftime, you're only eight eight nil up, and um, it wasn't until the second half that you that the floodgates really opened. What kind of experience was that? Because for you, there was a lot more going on personally because it was your last ever game of rugby league. Yeah, the, look, I've... In Australia, anyway. I've grown up supporting Manly since I was eight. It's the only team I ever played for. And it's your last ever game for... You've been there 16 seasons. your last ever game for them. It's it's pretty intense. You lose this, you don't... You can't say, oh, I'm coming back this. That's it. You know, you, ne- you never get another chance. So it's it had a lot more emotion attached to it. And like you said... The game was, it was an arm wrestle. Yeah, it was eight and a half time, but even the second half, it was an arm wrestle. Then we'd sneak over for a try. And in between that, it was an arm wrestle again. It was an arm wrestle again. And I remember I was sitting on the, the bench and it was like 20, it was 24 nil with maybe 16 minutes to go, whatever the, the time was. And I was sitting with Heath Lestrange and Mark Bryant. And we're both, it's 24 nil with 16 minutes to go. We're both going, one more set, good kick chase, work hard, go. Like it wasn't, yeah, the hands in there. We weren't cheering. It was, nah, nah. This is still game on. We need to, like, like it, it, the game was still in the balance. Melbourne are a great side. It, it wasn't, you know, the last five minutes you can start relaxing because it's 36 or 34 nil or whatever. Then you can start enjoying it. But literally 16 minutes out, we were still scared that we we could potentially lose this it, it was from a fan too that's crazy that you say that because i was just thinking in my head when did i feel because i was at the game that we had it I, I don't think i felt it until you got to about 30. no i was it, like because you just know how good melbourne are yeah that's right they they can put on two tries in 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 two sets of six since game on like it, it's yeah it's crazy it's just that the the side that they had, they were they were too good to give them anything. You just couldn't afford to relax a, a moment. And I suppose that's the mindset of, of why potentially we won like that and why we did what we did because it wasn't a, we, we can take a breath now. It's no, 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 no. You need to keep working. You need to good, good kick chase, start the set well, push on that. Yeah, you know, Like it was a grind and that's, that's the mentality that you need to win. Now... You were off and then they brought you back on in the last five, five minutes or whatever and you score the try. That will go down in folklore and rugby league history. How did that feel to, to get that last opportunity? That was pretty sick. Yeah. And how, how did that try come about? Well, it was – I probably wasn't, wasn't – I don't think I was supposed to go back on. Desi has his rotation system and that was just – no, no, no. I think, like it's, it's – we're here to win the game. That's, that's what it is. It's not a, oh, go on. It's, it's, it's so – the, the plan probably wasn't I was, wasn't going to go back on. And then Stevie Maddai goes down and he starts grabbing his neck. And I, always, I say this jokingly, but Stevie, he never goes down. Oh, really? I, sometimes he does. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, but I think this time he, he was, they said, you're on, you're on. And I'm like, oh, my God, so I'm going back on. So where's my headgear? Where's my headgear? So I, fi- I finally put, grabbed the headgear and, <clears throat> and whacked the headgear on. 
And I think if, if you look at the footage as I'm running out, I'm, I'm saying, where, where am I? Where do, you want, where do you want me to put me? As they're playing the ball, and then they're sort of going left centre, left centre, that's where you're going. So as they're playing the ball, I'm running on, and then I think Kingy runs up and sort of spins and flicks it. So that play the ball is like 20 seconds later. It goes pass, pass, and they... I think Ox cuts out um, cuts out Chalk and hits me. And I sort of just get on the outside of Israel Folau, and I just... Didn't really have much enough room, and I just sort of so I flick it on him a little bit early. So Robbo's like he's twelve meters out from the try line. Robbo's he's scored three. three he's already right. scored three amazing tries. Robbo was so good. Yeah. So he's already scored three of the tries, and I, and I tell this story, and it's bizarre what you what goes through your mind in the blink of a second. Like people just would have been watching, just going yeah yeah, like cheering. So this is this is what's going through my mind. So I flicked it on to him. He's maybe 10 or 12 metres out, I'm just going, wow, Robbo, he's, he could score this try now. Actually, he scored three tries in the game. I wonder if anyone's ever scored four tries in a grand final. If I was him, I'd probably go, I'd try and score four tries. Even if I – it doesn't – the game's not – it doesn't matter. Like, he's – if I was him, I'd probably try and score four tries. Oh, shit, he's passed it. <laughs> he's passed it back to me. And it was a little bit behind me. And then I'm just thinking, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't – like, literally – a hundred times I said, don't drop it. And it would have been, the ball would have been in the air a quarter of a second. I'm just going, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it. And I caught it behind me and sort of spun around it. And, and I think I carried it 23 centimetres. It's the greatest drive I've ever scored. And put it down and then I think... Everyone went crazy. Snake and Chock are the first two there, good mates. And it was um, just one of those things. And it, it was... Um, a great way to finish. <clears throat> yeah, well, and it just... It, it it was wasn't real. It was like it was dreamlike that you know you're walking back and we've just won this game and I've scored a try and um, now very lucky. The celebrations uh, it would have felt a little bit different because that was it for you. Like you were about to go over to England and, and play in the Super League. How was that celebrations? Who was best on <coughs> ground? Do you reckon? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I think. You tell me. I was. Oh, you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. I can't I, remember. I remember seeing you crashed out. <laughs> So in a doona, just half asleep, just everyone just had that. It was a, a great three days. I remember mm. the press trying to get a hold of everyone and and everyone was on the balcony and, yeah, pretty funny pretty funny time. But I reckon the best on ground was Chalk because if any <laughs> – during the course of that – I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. I'm pretty sure during that course of that uh, couple of days that he'd sacked Ox as the captain because <laughs> Ox wanted to sleep and he, and he replaced him with monitors and it was just a – Unbelievable. Mm. Well, I think I think it was just just stay there, have as many beers as you can if you're knackered, go home and have a sleep. But as soon as you wake up, you gotta come straight back. Cause yeah. <laughs> it was just like be there as long as you can, then have yeah. a rest, then come back again. It was good, but because it was just, you know, the seventeen boys and a couple of other people and uh you guys just party for a couple of days. It was a great celebration. It would have been for you just the perfect way to get out. Yeah, it was. Look, just the the, the bond you have with the guys and, and, and to win a grand final uh, is something special. And it can be a, you know, most grand finals aren't a 12-month process. It's a three-year, four-year proposition, you know, and you get two or three-year window to roll the dice and that's that's your chance. If you get to, you know, if you get through the semifinals and get to the grand final, then you roll the dice again. And so to, to, to go and do it the way we did and... Um, and and then just get to hang out with them with your mates and um, when you retire you, you never you don't get many chances 
to hang out with that group of mates ever again. It's like, you know, I always say it's like school. So once you're closest with these guys, you hang out with them every day. As soon as you leave school, they still live in the same suburb, but you're just moving in different circles. So you never you never get to do that type of stuff until until there's maybe a reunion or something, but it's um, special a time. special part of your life, yeah. I want to talk about, you know, the bond that you guys all had and the poker club that we had. Like I spoke to Zorb the other day about... Um, you know, the poker crew, and I was telling him a story about how you guys had played a Friday night game and you had made the text to all of us saying, all right, boys, we were on 24-hour poker game. Oh, yeah, remember the 24-hour? I laid down a pair of aces to Zorba and lost all my money and he will text me every month (laughs) to tell me about that. But the funniest part of that story is you called it on and you were the first to go home at about 4 a.m. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. We had training, so some of us had to go to training. So I'd seen this thing online and said, let's have a 24-hour. So I went and bought like a clock so we could just start at zero off. We go. I brought my little, I had my little Nespresso machine. I brought my coffee <laughs> machine in. We had that little room. said, right, we're all playing. Leave your chips in front of you if you want to go home for a sleep. Come back. But I think we had training. It must have, we might, did we start after a game? And yeah, I think, it was straight after. And that's what cooked me because... You guys were all had a lot of adrenaline, right? And I remember talking to Gift like days after going, mate, I was cooked because I was half asleep by about 2 a.m. And I said, that's why I laid down those aces. It was like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, and I think we had to go do recovery at like 9 o'clock the next morning. So there might have been two people still playing. We've just left our chips and come back. But things like that, like you can that, – that's what, that's what bonds you and it's um, you know, those types of events. But we should do one of those again. Oh, that would be so sick. Now – Talk about you went to England and um, you played. How many seasons over there did you play? Five seasons. Five seasons. And what was that like an experience, as an experience? Yeah, it was amazing. So I had two years at Bradford. Yeah, I had limited success, a little bit up and down. The um, yeah, a great bunch of guys, great experience. The, Ox went with you to Bradford, didn't he? The next year. So Ox, yeah. uh, Heath Lestrange and, and Glenn Hall all came wow. over. Yeah, yeah. Ox, Ox did his shoulder, I think, and to the towards the end of that year. Um, but look, it, it's just different, you know. It's it's cold. I remember, you know, we did a pre-season. You know, we were literally training on three inches of snow. Like uh, that's we're pre-season training on the snow. So yeah, yeah. You know, every day you turn up to training, you, you put your, your your skin pants on, your skin top, your training shirt, your jacket, your beanie, long socks, your boots. It's it's just. It's different. So it's, it gets dark at like 3.30 in the Arvo. It's a different uh, a different experience. And the, the footballs, you know, their best players are as good as our players. They just, as you're seeing, you know, the, the guys, the English guys that come to the NRL are, are, are amazing. They just, um, you know, there's probably, every, every kid over there is playing soccer or, or rugby union. There's only, only the north of England really plays um York, uh, Yorkshire and Lancashire really play rugby league, so it's just um, the kids they have to choose from. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's a good comp. The fans are amazing. The 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 grounds they play at, there would be from the sideline to to the fence. Uh, it's like two meters. So you have got these guys like you're standing there, and these guys you can smell his breath. He's shouting stuff, <laughs> and they're singing songs, and like it is. It is amazing. It's such a good, um, such a good experience. Um, they have all different songs about different players, and oh, really? it, it's pretty cool. Um, so th- it's just, it's just different, you know. So I had two years at Bradford, then got an opportunity to go to Catalan Dragons, south of France. How was um, that? Amazing. Well, are you good with your French? We, oui, we, oui, we. Oui. <laughs> no, nah, look, my French was limited. 
Um, but you know, my daughter was going to, to, to school. She was speaking fluent French. So I was there for three years. Trent Robinson got me over there. Actually, it was his first head coaching job uh, yep. over at Catalan. So he's he's fluent in French. His wife's French. So his, his kids are bilingual. So he, I think he lived over there for six years. Yeah. Um, but it's just you know, completely immersed, right? So it's, it, it's culture. You know, you're driving on the wrong side of the road. You know, you're going to training. Everything's in French first, and they'll repeat it in English. <clears throat> you're hanging out with with you know just the way they live, their lifestyle. I love France. It was I so go good. So the, the, the south of France, Perpignan, it was. Yeah. Um, I go to Beirut. So we used to drop yeah on the other side of the yeah. surf and stuff. But it's it's a magic part of the world. So we, yeah, you know, even just the way they live. We drop um we drop our daughter to school at nine o'clock. Yep. That we'd have to go pick her up at 12, bring her home for two hours siesta, That's right, drop eh? her back at two and pick her up at five. That was every That's, day. They it's weird <clears throat> the way that I, t- I speak about the French, that they don't have dinner till like nine or ten at night. Yeah, no, no. Were, so we used to go to dinner. <laughs> We'd go there at like eight o'clock and go, wow, this is late. There wouldn't be one person. They lob up at like 10, 30, 11 hanging with the kids there but they don't get up they like they don't get up at 6 to, to train or do yeah. Yeah, they get up at 11 it's just different right but it's they, they're still very family oriented about no everyone just has has dinner or, or sorry has lunch you know, siesta with their family so you go home for that unless there's a reason that you can't you can stay at school but it's it's um that the, the lifestyle is we we live first and then we will work around that you know and it's pretty cool how cool was it to spend that time with the kids, with your two kids and Sue and just to have that experience of being overseas, different country, to wrap up your rugby league career? Yeah, it was amazing. You know, it's, you know you'd always rather be playing here for Manly, but it, it, was a, it, was a, it was an amazing experience. Like, it is a beautiful part of the world. Some great people. They're super passionate about rugby league, the little... Um, Catalans in Perpignan there where they, are, where, where they play rugby league. Um, it was just a cool. It's just a cool way to finish. So, to finish like that was um, was pretty good. I wanted to, before we wrap it up, I want to ask you. You played like five hundred and thirty-three first-class games in your career. Um, the average NRL player plays about fifty, right? Mm. But how did you? You know, was it body management or pure luck that you were able to go through such a career? Because you look like you could play right now. How did you get through a career without? too many major injuries look uh, there's no there's no one answer i think it's look good genetics you need you just need to be lucky with the you know some people go into a tackle and break a finger or do a shoulder and it doesn't even look you know conspicuous so it's you need good genetics a little bit of luck and i think just this passion for the game so it's uh i've always loved playing if i could play tomorrow i would you know i i never really played for money it was I love this game. I just love being out there. I love being involved. I love being in the moment. So that all helps. You know, I think the hard part for for a lot of players, if your body is okay, is the mental side of oh, I've got I've got preseason. We've got hills. We've got you know the going out in public or whatever. That it's it's a it's a twenty four hour job. You know, you can't. Yeah, you know, obviously in France it's a little bit different. No one knows who you are. Um, but it's. It's a 24-hour job, so unless you love it, it it's going to be difficult to do it for a long time. So it's, you know, there's, there's either people, their body shuts down or, or, or they have an injury which pushes them out, um, or mentally it's just too tough to, to continue. But I just, I love playing. Last question. The Hall of Fame, you were inducted in 2018. What did that mean to you personally? Yeah, look, it's, 
Um, it's a bit of a shock to see to see the names that had been in there. Obviously, they did a hundred names in in two thousand and eight, um, the centenary, and then that was the first induction class. And um, yeah, it's just a humbling experience to be named alongside those types of guys. So probably the you know, the highest individual achievement that or accolade that I've been given is, is to be in the Hall of Fame. Like it's so honoured to, to to be in. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. I've known you for a long time, and I'm stoked to be able to call you friend. You're a funny man and one of the greatest forwards to have ever laced on a boot in the game of rugby league. And more than that, you're an even better bloke. So thanks for coming on and telling your story. Before we go, mate, I know you love giving your little plugs out there. So throw a plug out to your business one more time and um. Wish you and the family all the best moving forward. Yeah, um, obviously doing finance, home loans, uh, mortgages. Come and see me. It's citywide, C-I-T-Y-W-I-D-E-L-P-I.com.au forward slash Steve. Leave your details and I'll get back to you, help you out with some finance. Thanks for coming <laughs> on, Legend. Cheers, Ian. Thanks, mate. Thank you. The Hennessy Footy Files proudly brought to you by getter.com.au. Tradies, shop online and get your materials delivered by Getter On Demand. Visit the website on www.getter.com.au.